Hey everyone, welcome to Life Church Global. I truly believe that God has chosen you to be here today. Whether you are here in the room, I have some friends in the room today, or whether you are in a life group or you're watching us um, in the future somewhere. Um, God has chosen you specifically to hear this word today. And I truly believe that as you hear this word, you will step into the momentum that God has created for your life. So we're on a series called God Element, and I don't know if you're enjoying it, but I've been thoroughly enjoying this series. It's very different. The vibe of this series is different. It's very, I, I was telling Kelsey on Friday, I feel like this series is like a teaching. You know, although I preach most of the time, I feel like I'm preaching a teaching. Uh, I don't know if you get it, it's a riddle, but that's okay, it's all right. It's mystical stuff. <laughs> but um, but the, the, this series, God Element, is, is, is really powerful, it's very mystical, and I really believe that it's gonna change your life. So the title of today's word is Divine Entanglement, okay? So this week while I was in prayer, I had an encounter with an angel. And when I say encounter, I'm, I'm talking about in the spirit, not in the physical. And, uh, and this encounter happened when, when, not when I was in the quiet place uh, or you know what people say, the prayer room and stuff like that. Um, I'm gonna def define prayer in a very unique way to you today. It's gonna be awesome. I was walking my dogs uh, and I was in a moment of contemplation. Uh, and you know, and, and my dog began to um, uh, look towards one side. Now I know uh, dogs are really pointers for me. Uh, and whenever I walk my dogs, I'm, most of the time uh, I walk where there's no light, like street lights. I walk in absolute darkness, I enjoy it. Um, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that likes the dark places. Uh, and it's not, uh, I don't get spooked out by it. Uh, I love the darkness actually. It's uh, something that God created. And if you understand uh, the value system in our church, we use dark things to create light. Uh, and uh, we use, we, we don't get put off by difficult circumstances. We love the giants. We love the lions. We love the bears. We love the storms uh, because we find purpose in it. And a lot of times people uh, run away and they ask for prayer for these situations to go. And Life Church Global is a little uh, different like that. Uh, we go to these ones and we, we engage with them. And so while I was walking in the darkness, my dog began to pull me towards one side. This is not Buddy. This is Champ, which is very unusual because Buddy pulls me all the time. And... Um, Champ started looking towards this side and all of a sudden when I turned like Moses, you know, he looked to the bush uh, that was burning and then God spoke. Uh, and, and when I followed my dog and I looked at where he was looking, I heard an angel speak to me. And the angel said this to me. He said um, that the heavens have been opened to you. And when he said that, I saw uh, like, a, like a scroll in, in the sky being opened. Uh, being being opened like a scroll, being opened like that. And I saw uh, directly into he into the heaven. And I heard the scroll opening and I saw directly into the heavens. I need to be very clear about that. And, and this is all happening in the spirit, not in the physical. Uh, and when I saw into the heavens, I saw what was written on the scrolls. Uh, and, uh, uh, and there was a lot of things written on the scrolls, but I have permission to share two things with you today. And... When I saw what was on the scroll, 
the two things that God spoke to me clearly for the church in this season is this, that this scroll is an invitation to do two things. The first thing is to trade information for revelation. In this season, God is giving us an invitation to trade information for revelation. Now, when I say information, uh, I'm saying a lot of us are Christians who are watching the service and people who believe in Jesus. If you have um, listened to a message because of information and you said that this was a good message, this is not so great, you're a connoisseur type of person, uh, especially with the Word of God and the the type of communicator and you were like, mm, this message is mm, good and you know, it tastes really nice and, uh, and you, you, know, you, you, you kind of create, you use the lens of good and evil to decipher a message, to decipher the word of God. That does not become revelation, but it becomes information to you and information eventually puffs you up. If you are looking and listening to the Word of God or you read the scripture from the lens of the knowledge of good and evil, this is good, this is evil, this is good, this is bad, what you're receiving is not revelation but information that will eventually puff you up. And in this season, God is inviting the church to receive revelation. Revelation means that God is personally revealing himself to you in this season. So everything that I'm saying today is a revelation, a personal revelation that carries with it an invitation for you to experience a higher dimension of God. And so when you receive revelation, revelation does not puff you up. But in fact, revelation breaks your house down. Come on now. It completely shatters the life that you had and rebuilds Christ into your life. So it breaks your house down and it builds Christ into your life. And if you are a Christian, Christian, then your life is not your own, but it is Christ's life in you. And I really believe that this season, God is trading information because there is an urgency now to develop a mature Christ in the believers. And if you believe in, in Christ, if you believe Jesus has saved you, He is your Savior, and you have become one with God, ladies and gentlemen, it is an invitation for us to receive revelation so that Christ can be manifested through our life. The second thing that God said was on the scroll was He's inviting us to trade a lifestyle of religion for a lifestyle of prayer. And when I'm talking about prayer, I'm going to define it. But when I'm talking about religion, I'm talking about, you know, the tick the box kind of Christians. I went to church, tick the box. I gave my tithe, tick the box. Uh, now God will be good to me. I prayed for two hours and 40 minutes a day. I gave my... <laughs> I, was, I, I went to every life group, tick the box but you're not doing it from a place of love. You're not doing it from a place of engaging with God and engaging with His body. There's no passion in your heart. If that's you, then you need to change from being religious 
Uh, like what Kelsey was talking about, you're very law-based. Your mindset is you feel good about God and you feel like God is good to you only when you tick the boxes. And that is a very dangerous place to be in because that's where the enemy wants to keep you. He wants to keep you religious because you are religious and you will be a thorn in the side of people who are not religious. And so, uh, so he doesn't have to do any work. He just uses you to poke press people harder. And, and, and I really believe that when you are religious, uh, that the tendency to believe that God is far from me. He, he, he's waiting for me to do good things in order for him to be good to me. And he's you know, like breakthroughs don't happen often. It's like once in a while, God does a breakthrough, a miracle in my life. And I have to do so much of good man in order for God to be good to me. Like, I mean, how many times God, I have to, like I've been giving, I'm giving all my life. If I miss a tithe, oh, I miss an offering. Oh my goodness, finished. I'm done. We're gonna, it's ended, you know. No, I just wanna invite you into a lifestyle of grace. Grace. Everything in grace is God's. Your tithe, your time, your, your heart, your body, everything, your gifts, your talents, everything belongs to Him because that is who He's building. He's building Christ. You don't own Christ. In fact, Christ has taken over uh, residence in your life. He, he, this body belongs to Him. Uh, your time belongs to Him. Your energy, your, the air you're breathing belongs to Him. The fact that you're alive breathing air today is because He gives you the permission to do that. And so... It's a phenomenal life. He's inviting us to come out of religion into a lifestyle of prayer. And when I talk about prayer, I'm not talking about you being the beneficiary of your prayer list. Oh, very quiet now, very quiet, very quiet. Um, and you know, I, I just feel like in the religious side of church, people have a prayer list and, and you know, I don't want to con condemn you for doing that but I want to invite you into maturing into uh, the lifestyle of grace a lifestyle of prayer and when I talk about prayer I'm going to define it now prayer in life towards global is defined as this the harmonizing of our entire being with the nature and the purpose of God that's what prayer is. Prayer is not a list where you sit down and you tell God what you want like as if he works for you and he's sitting there in heaven now waiting only for you to give him like he has absolutely no clue about what is going on in your life and he needs you to tell him. But sometimes we tell him with a passion, sometimes we tell him quietly, sometimes we're angry, sometimes we tell him tears like that. But somehow or the other we get the list across to him and we think that now somehow some angel he's going to send and breakthrough is going to happen in our life. Let me tell you something, God is fully aware of what every cell in your body is communicating to Him. God is fully aware of what is happening in the world. God is fully aware and He does not need you to tell Him what you need. Harmonizing our entire being with the nature and the purposes of God means that I exist to fulfill what is on God's list. That's what prayer is all about. Prayer is God, give me your list. What is on your list, God, for my life? What is on your list for the city that I live in? What is on your list for the people that are around me? My workmates, the people in my business, people who are working for me. What is on your list for their life? I live and I exist to fulfill what is on your list. 
It's a prayer is a concerted effort of our whole being to be attuned to the creative spirit of God. We are attuned. We we tune ourselves to the creative spirit of God. See, God is a creator and He has given us a creative spirit. See, the ethereal life is all about harmonizing our entire being, our life to God. That's what we're doing. We're we're disciplining ourselves so that we can harmonize our entire being so that we can begin to resonate with the frequency that God is resonating with. So, When you and I make the choice to give ourselves in prayer, ladies and gentlemen, we we get attuned with the will and the purposes of God for our life. There is a divine entanglement that takes place. And we, when we give ourselves, when when I'm talking about give ourselves, I'm not saying two hours, 40 minutes a day. I'm talking about 24 hours a day. And today I'm going to define what, the, what, this, what this looks like for, for a Christian. What this life looks like. What this Christian life looks like when you're in Christ. And it's, it's not what we have practiced. What we've been taught all our lives in church. See, I grew up in church and, and I'm grateful for the foundation that I received. But when I've received Christ as my foundation, He begins to build us up. Precept upon precept, brick upon brick, layer upon layer. And every time he reveals it, we don't reject the foundation. We don't reject the previous church. We don't reject what we learned before. But we actually say, God, you know what? Thank you for that time. Because today I appreciate the revelation that we're receiving now. Because I realize that we've matured so much. We don't condemn other churches for preaching whatever they preach. You can preach, man. That person is, is accountable to God for what they say. I'm accountable to God for what I teach you. But at the end of the day, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Every single person who believes Jesus, all of humanity carries a fabric of Christ on the inside of them. There is no condemnation. You're free. I just want to declare it over you that you are free. So... When you and I make a choice to be attuned to the the will and the purposes of God with, with our whole being, not just our mind, ladies and gentlemen, our whole being, every single part aspect of our life. There's a holistic tuning that takes place when you begin to engage with God at this level. And when you do that, The divine entanglement that takes place is because God releases the fabric. He gives you a word. He gives you revelation. And that revelation enters into you. And now that revelation begins to entangle you with the divine. That's what divine entanglement means. Divine entanglement means that you were separated from God till the Christ fabric came into your life. And when you receive Christ through the word, to the spoken word or the revealed word or the written word, now that written word, that Christ on the inside of you, whether it's the Logos or, or the revealed word, whatever it is, it begins to entangle you without your choice. See, a lot of times our walk with God is based on our choice. 
I decide how much to give him. I decide how much time I spend. I decide how much time I meditate. I decide how much time I read the Bible or how much of the Bible I read. But you, we are not understanding truly what it means to be in grace. What it means to be in grace is that we're divinely entangled with Heavenly Father without our permission most of the time. See, we make the choice to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We make the choice on a daily basis to embrace the Word of God. But once you embrace the Word of God, that's it. You are riding shotgun. He's on a highway, man. And His highway is better than any other way. It's the most high way. And when you're sitting shotgun with him, there's something that, that connects you with God and it keeps you connected with God. It's called the God element. It's Christ. And when you, listen to me very carefully, when you are entangled with the divine, it does not depend on your choice. It doesn't depend on your obedience. It does not depend on your righteous works. It depends on what Christ has done in you. He is the one who stays righteous with the Father. He is the one who is in constant obedience to the Father. He is the one who is constantly listening and hearing and obeying the Father. Without your permission, or your ability to understand or receive. Come on now, this is a whole other dimension of grace. I'm not giving you permission to do whatever you want. When you are divinely entangled with God, you have to force yourself to sin. You have to force yourself to disobey God. You have to force yourself. It is not in your nature. To do it because when you are connected to Christ, Christ is constantly obeying the Father. Christ is constantly, look, let, let, me, let me say this. If God were to depend on your ability to give Him the time of day to hear His voice and see what He is doing, nothing will be accomplished in the world. Come on now. You, we, he won't get anything done. Because he has to wait for you to feel right, get into the mood, and then play the right music, light the right candles, get the right smell in the house, whatever you want to call, whatever you, however you want to do your quiet time. Not ridiculing it, but I'm just saying it's kind of funny when you're gone and you're looking at these people trying to get into that, the game, you know, and feel God in the room. So your feeling can't lead you, only Christ leads you. Come on now. Look, I've said this so many times, I'm going to use it again. Jesus says, I only say what I hear my father saying and I only do what I see my father doing. Was that Jesus or was that Christ? It was Christ in Jesus who divinely entangled Jesus the man to Heavenly Father. And Jesus was so attuned 
to Christ in him, the spirit in him. Now that whatever Christ saw the father doing, Jesus saw it. Whatever he heard the father saying, Jesus heard it. But see, when the woman who with the issue of blood came to Jesus, she came and she touched the hem of his garment. Jesus did not even know that that was happening. He didn't give the power permission. Go touch that lady. Fire. No, he didn't do the religious things that we normally do. How about that? The shadow of Peter begins to heal the sick. Where, where does that happen? God doesn't need us. God doesn't depend on our human ability to engage with him 24 hours a day. Listen, we live in a world, we have distractions. We have babies crying, we have nappies to change. We, not me, but you know, some other people. <laughs> we have dogs to walk and dogs to feed. <laughs> and, and we have work to do and we have angry bosses and people trying to cheat us and we don't know, people trying to cut us on the, off the road. And there's a lot of things that we're doing. And God's not holding it against us. He's the one that placed us there. Oh, come on, man. See, the church has made it. Brother, that life that you're having is bad. You have to separate yourself from it. Go into the quiet room and lock yourself because that's what the Bible says. I'm like, I don't... When I look from Genesis to Revelation, there's a very little bit of that. There's only one verse where Jesus talks about it. Completely different context altogether. But the church has made a big deal about this quiet place. I'm never quiet in that place. I don't know. <laughs> God is not quiet in that place. I'm listening to Christ and the Father having this crazy discussion. I'm seeing what Jesus is seeing. I'm seeing what Christ is seeing the Father. Wow, what is happening here? Ooh. All of a sudden, there's the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and I'm caught up in the Trinity. Like, wow, where's this happening? That's us. We're just there. We're just for the ride. And that's okay with God. He's not like, you have to do this, otherwise Satan will come and take over. No. He's not intimidated by our inability to respond to him. In fact, he says, okay, you know what? I know. I'm the one who placed you in the world. I'm the one who put you in that job with that bad boss. I'm the one who put you in that storm. I'm the one. Who, but I'm also the one who put Christ in you. I am the one who gave you his spirit. And the Bible says that the spirit is constantly praying. He's constantly growing. Well, that, that some of you who know how to cheat the system will be like, no, oh, well, Pastor John said the Holy Spirit is praying. I don't have to pray. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. Our prayer life is a little different now based on the definition that I gave you about five, 10 minutes ago. Our prayer life is to be tuned, attuned holistically. It is my responsibility to be completely submerged and immersed in the Word of God. I need to allow the Word of God to enter in from my mind, enter into every single part of my being. That's my responsibility. That's my choice. Everything after that, Jesus. Everything after that, God. Christ in me, 
Christ around me. Christ on my left, Christ on my right. Christ above my head, Christ beneath me. Christ everywhere. That's why the Bible says Christ in me is the hope of glory. What glory can you manifest and what hope do you have to manifest a glory, man? Unless you understand that's our responsibility, our choice to really be in tune with Christ. And he's inviting us. The way we receive Christ, ladies and gentlemen, is by receiving the word. Right now, you're receiving a revelation of Christ. The grace of God. So divine entanglement really is the grace effect. That's basically what it is. I'm talking about the grace effect. What is the grace of God and what kind of an effect and impact it has in our lives? So to be entangled with God, you must understand how it works. Okay, now I'm going to talk about some mechanics. Hang on with me, okay? When we talk about divine entanglement, God doesn't make massive changes in your life. Have you noticed that? When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's not like, bam, the whole world changed. You went to church, you heard an inspirational message, and somehow in your heart, you felt like God is knocking on the door of my heart. I just feel like I need to be connected with the divine one. And you surrendered, you gave your life to Jesus. You believed him as your savior. And then after that, you went home and you went to sleep and you woke up and you felt like you're the same guy. Struggling with the same things. Oh, come on now. Come on now, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not the kind of preacher that says, everything will be okay tomorrow. No, no, no. The way God works is in micro doses. It's the quantum level, ladies and gentlemen. God brings change at a quantum, a nanoparticle level. To a point where you even wouldn't notice the change. And God's okay with it. He's not like, wow, dude, you need to change right now. I changed you. And you need to change. I, I hung on the cross for you. At least do something for me. No, he's, he's, he's not like that. He's not like that. He's so sure of himself in you. He is so confident of himself in you. See, God plays the long game. And he makes changes at a micro, nano level, at a quantum level. And how it happens is through the renewing of the mind. That's what we hear. The renewing of the mind brings transformation in the life. So when we Christians like change differently than God likes change. We like change. It's like, you know, where December's coming now. So Christmas, we just allow a lot of toxins to enter into the body. <laughs> then Boxing Day comes and even more toxins enter the body. Um, I'm talking about food. I don't know about what you're thinking about, but. <laughs> and then New Year's, Happy New Year. We're all getting rid of COVID this year, 31st. Let's have a party, let's dance. Nothing wrong with it. I, I enjoy a good dance. And party <laughs> um, and um, but somehow on the first you wake up grumpy guilty messed up and you make some choices massive choices I'm gonna go on a fast because just December was just horrible I was just so guilty of just like oh my god what have I done 
December 1st, like January 1st, like, oh my God, Happy New Year, new life, clean slate. Somehow, when the year changes, everybody gets new slates. I, I don't know, God is handing out slates to everybody. <laughs> but we make these massive changes. Fitness first. Subscription. <laughs> CrossFit, like, <laughs> I mean, oh my God, CrossFit is dangerous now. Whew. We make these massive changes. I'm going to change my life, change my diet, change my friends. Because in December, <laughs> I'm going to leave my house. <laughs> I'm going to get a new job. I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of everything. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no difference between you and an alcoholic. It's just a form of escapism. But see, you must understand, for Christians to make such drastic changes is actually detrimental for your spiritual health. Because see, in the natural, when you, when you want to make massive changes, you don't make massive changes to your diet quickly. Like, I eat so much of sugar in December. Oh my God, the cakes, the biscuits. Oh, and I don't want to talk about other stuff, but there's so much of sugar entering the body, toxic stuff entering the body. And so now I need to live clean, so I'm going to go on a fast. They call it a fast, but it's actually a diet, but it's, Christians call it fast, but that's okay, not a problem. Whatever you want to call it, God's okay with that, right? But as long as you're getting clean, you know, your body's fine with that. And so we create this sort of massive changes and we stop eating meat and we eat only boiled vegetables and we call it Daniel fast and, and we give it these kind of religious terms, you know? And the issue is your body was having a blast in December. It was enjoying December. It's like, wow, man, what? That was, that was awesome. You should do it again. And, and then all of a sudden, you start starving your body and your entire immunity just goes cr into a crash because you're confusing your body. See, what's good, what's healthy is small changes, permanent changes, longer changes, learning how to play the long game. See, when we make sudden changes, stop sugar, all of a sudden, oh my goodness, then your body just starts storing things around certain places. And we don't like it. And so now we force ourselves to go now and get a gym membership. And then when we get a gym membership, we're like, first day, it's like all the exercises possible. And we walk home stuck. <laughs> and for the next two weeks, we're stuck like that. Take leave from work and you must understand it is detrimental to your body. And after two weeks, the choices that we make, ladies and gentlemen, does not give us the grace to maintain the lifestyle over a period of time. And so now internally, we just give up. <laughs> it's like, oh, forget it, man. You know, it was hard. I can't do it anymore. Let's just give up. And But externally, since I've made these commitments now, externally, my church people know it, my friends know it. I'm externally going to show that I'm still doing it. I'm passionate about Jesus. I'm passionate about the word of God. I'm still fasting secretly, hating KFC. What fasting, brother? <laughs> because KFC is open after 12. We Christians go to sleep at 11. You know, sort of. Oh, oh dear. Right? And so now that midnight drive makes you feel whole. 
And your heart is full of joy, but nobody knows it. Everybody thinks you're a good Christian, but on the, but on, but in secret, you're not. You're just religious. And God's looking at you, going, "Just do your thing. I have time. I'll wait for you to just do what you're doing. When you're ready to work the way I work." Then you can chill, just relax. I I paid the price, so you don't have to pay the price. Oh, come on now! I'm not just giving you permission to go eat KFC now, ladies and gentlemen. You can do it if you want to, but when you do it, do it with a grateful heart, grateful that some chicken gave its life for you, and some colonel somewhere put some recipe on it. And oh my God, it is finger licking good. <laughs> Enjoy it with a clean conscience, and trust me, it will won't stick into your body for too long. You have to have a clean conscience, but don't do it religiously. Don't do it secretly, trying to portray you're a good Christian. But see, when you're entangled divinely with God, God begins to make these small changes. Even your mind can't comprehend it. And in when all you need to do is attend church and receive the word. All you need to do is open this book and say, "God, I'm willing for you. I'm willing to hear what you have to say. What are you speaking to Christ?" You see the difference, Lord. I'm willing to hear your conversation that you're having with Christ in me. What is the conversation that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are having in me? I'm I'm listening to that conversation. I'm reading what Jesus is reading in the Scripture. I'm reading the the text, the way Christ is reading the text. Because somehow, when I receive that word, I'm receiving an increase of the measure of Christ in me. And when I receive an increase of the measure of Christ in me, now Christ begins to now start obeying the Father at a greater. Level. He's more mature than I am, and so now God begins to look at me. Listen to me very carefully. God begins to look at you and me the way He looks at Christ. He begins to communicate to you and me the way He communicates to Christ. But He's actually communicating to Christ, but we think He's talking to us. But He's actually talking to Christ, and you're overhearing. A conversation that the Father and the Son are having in you. You must understand. We position ourselves to receive Christ. That is our responsibility. When you do that, now Christ begins to start being your righteousness. See, the Bible says that you are the righteousness of God. Where in Christ, that righteousness is not even yours. So stop trying to do good works to be be right before God. You're already right. You can't help it. It's not even your choice. Even when you're trying to, when you do wrong things, He is right in you. Oh, that is such a good word. Even when you do wrong things, He is right with God. And God only looks at Him according. God only looks at you the way He sees Christ. John doesn't exist. Only Christ exists. John's flaws don't exist. Only Christ's righteousness exists. See, because if it was up to God and us, disaster. We saw that in the book of Genesis. We see that through the Old Testament. The greatest of the men of God that we study and we try to emulate 
all of them had flaws until Christ was manifested in the flesh. Until Christ was manifested in the flesh. And Jesus demonstrated to us what kind of a life we will live if we are divinely entangled with God. See, in quantum, in quantum physics, there's a term called quantum entanglement. And quantum entanglement means that, that when a light, um, uh, when, when a photon of light is shot through a crystal, they did the experiment, I don't want to go into too much detail, but when, a light, when, a, when, when light is shot through a crystal, it splits into two particles and both these particles begin to vibrate or resonate with the same frequency together. So which means the particle of light that travels through the crystal and the two particles all resonate at the same frequency. That is what it means to be, that is, that is what it means to have quantum entanglement. And so you must understand now that we have the Father, Son and you. And there is a connection between God the Father and God the Son. And whatever frequency Christ vibrates on, that is who you are. Oh, come on now. This is the grace effect. Divine entanglement means that you and I have, are so connected with God that even without our choice, we are obedient. We're righteous. We're holy. We're blameless. We're justified. We're sanctified. We're allified. This is powerful, church, because it completely removes this self-dependence that God will, God is pleased only by my good work. No, God is pleased because of what Christ has done and is doing. Oh, you got to get that. God is pleased by what Christ has done and what Christ is doing. You must understand. See, we, we read it in the scriptures, right? We, we see that Jesus healed the sick. He cast out demons and he cleansed the lepers. And so because of what Jesus has done, now we go out and we see sick people. And when we put lay hands on the sick, they get recovered. They recover. They get healed. How did that happen? Somehow what Jesus has done has come outside of time into a dimension, right? That is accessible to anyone at any time. So distance does not, or dimensions or realms does not separate the, the quantum entanglement. So you might think that God the Father is far from you, but actually you're vibrating with the frequency that Christ is vibrating in you. So it's not dependent on your good works, it's dependent on what Christ has done. There was an experiment that was done, you can, you can check on, online for this experiment and it's quite common. They said that, it's a, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a theory, and they said that a guy, when he went to a restaurant to buy food one day, he bought a burger with fries and he bought a hot dog and when the food came to him it came to him in two boxes and this is what quantum entanglement means and when he opened the first box he saw that there were burgers and fries a burger and, a f and fries in that box immediately even without knowing what was without opening the second box he knew what was in the second box that's what quantum entanglement means. It's even before you see it, you already know what it is. Now think, use that 
analogy to see your relationship with God the Father and God the Son. Even before you know the change, it's already happened. As I read Christ, as I'm reading Christ, I'm opening the Christ box. I'm reading about myself. Oh, come on, man. Good word. Good word. As I'm looking at Jesus, I'm actually looking at myself. I don't have to do anything. Open the box. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do good works. I don't have to give my tithe. I love giving my tithe. But it's not something that opens the box to reveal my good works to God. But the minute Christ does it, I did it. When God healed, when Jesus healed the woman with the issue of blood, when I read it, it's not only Christ doing it, I also did it. That's why I can do it again. Oh, come on, man. So good. Good word. If God multiplied money from a fish's mouth, he bought a gold coin from a fish's mouth, guess who did it? Say it. So if you did it before, 2,000 years ago, you can do it again. This is, what, this is what divine entanglement is all about. We're not waiting for people to teach us the method. Show me, I'm not going for prophetic school and healing school. I got it right here. If Jesus did it, I've done it. I can do it again. I don't need anybody to teach me. A lot of times we depend and wait on people, create opportunities for me to minister. No, no. If you saw Jesus doing something, you did it, you can do it again. It's a good word. I want, you, I want to show this to you in scripture so that you fully believe me. <laughs> um, Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And um, we'll read from verses 11 and 12. Verse 11 says this. When, please, whenever we read scripture together, we watch the language, okay? We're watching the language. Okay, so watch the language now. Verse 11 says, When I was a child... I spoke like a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, that word man is, means mature, I put away childish things. Verse 12 says this, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. Okay? Phenomenal mystery, very mystical stuff. We'll take it little by little. Okay? So when he's saying, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood like a child. I thought like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now the book of Hebrews talks about how God wants to give us, the Bible says, some versions say strong meat 
some versions say uh, mature meat okay mature food uh, or strong food and, and what that means is that it's when god gives food to someone who is child is a child does not comprehend what the father is doing a child believes everyone believes everything trusts everything trusts everyone there is no wisdom to judge between good and evil and what god is doing and discern there's no discernment right that's how you know but when a child becomes mature how does a child become mature by eating food a child if there's an a child child's growth becomes stunted if there's no proper nutrition so the nutrition is given according to the child's ability to understand so the child's ability to grow depends on the nutrition that the child receives and so now we see here as the so the for the child to grow he needs to be given the word so the maturing the word mature over there is the word teleos in greek and what it means it means like a telescope uh, like a pirate's telescope i like pirates of the caribbean as a cool movie uh, when whenever they look through a telescope the telescope extends to a certain degree so that they can see clearly what they're actually looking at so maturity in the kingdom of god is like that so there's a, there's there's one level where you can see a particular way then as the lord reveals the word gives you food to eat it extends the telescope a little bit more you're a little bit more mature you can see better and then the and then he gives you more mature food and then the telescope you know what i mean and eventually it comes to a point where you are as mature as christ is but the question uh, that i have for you or, or, or something that i've noticed in my life i've noticed 40 year olds that act like a child i've noticed 50 year old that acts like a child i've seen 60 70 80 year olds that act like children childish So age has nothing to do with it. It's your ability to receive revelation. Maturity does not depend on how much hair white ones you have on your head or no hair at all. Whatever situation you're in or your age group, it doesn't depend on that. what maturity depends on is your ability to receive the living word your ability to receive christ in you the ability to receive it as you receive the word now christ begins to mature in you you're not maturing not maturing christ is maturing age does not determine maturity life experience based on the application of the knowledge of good and evil does not determine wisdom and maturity it is receiving the word god functions precept upon precept christ upon christ revelation upon revelation so as christ matures on the inside of you Christ is maturing on the inside of you 
Christ is maturing. We think Christ is fully matured. If he were to be fully matured in you, your life would be completely, you won't be able to handle what Christ is doing. You won't be able, just imagine this, Christ 24 hours a day, seven days a week is connected to what the Father is seeing and doing all the time. Would you be able to do it? Having a job, having children. Let's talk about church attendance first. Let's talk about coming for life groups first. So it's not you that's maturing. It's Christ in you. Like he's layering Christ upon you. And as Christ matures in you, you begin to do things that Christ does. Mature Christ does. Now I'm not saying Christ is immature. Please don't get me wrong. I'm saying the father builds based on what he wants out of your life. He builds Christ into you based on what he wants Christ to do and express through your life. Please listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Maturity is not about being serious. Maturity is not about like, wow, I'm wise now. I have a full life experience. I can give counsel. I can give wisdom. I'm mature, man. No, no, no. It has maturing means that Christ is growing. The measure of Christ is increasing. That is what it means to mature. And strong meat is given to the one who is fully matured, which means you have the full measure of Christ on the inside of you. You have, have become so entangled with God that your life, that, that God's will and purpose and desire for your life is fully being manifested in your life. Till then, we're all on a journey. We're all in an adventure. We're all being perfected into the image and likeness of Christ. So this is what he's trying to say. When I matured, when I became a man, when I discovered who Christ is in me, that nanoparticle started becoming bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, bigger, bigger. That's what I'm noticing. And now I'm in full submission to that maturing Christ in me. And as I'm maturing, now my behavior pattern begins to change. I'm not even in control of it. I don't know, suddenly I stop swearing, so I stop smoking, stop drinking, stop hanging out with those, you know, Christian friends. I started hanging out where, going where Christ would go, somehow. Like I, I got, I got, like religion puts me off. That's how you know Christ is in you. But see, Christ goes to the dark places. Christ goes to the place where people are hurting broken, bitter, the, the, the sick, the, the, the ones who are lame in their body, the people who don't have money, the pe people who are the widows and the children who don't have, you know, parents, orphans. That's where Christ begins to, you'll start noticing that your heart begins to burn with a passion for different things now. It's not that you've become old, I had all the fun I need to have now. You know, my life is okay, man. You know, I, I don't need any complications. You know, I'm good now. You know, I, I did everything I needed to do. No. It's just that Christ has begun to mature. And because you are one with Christ, and because you are divinely attuned with the Father, now those nanoparticles have begun to compound into certain lifestyle choices you do those choices you make those choices without even blinking 
You know, Cassie and I live a life where <laughs> we understand fully that nothing belongs to us. Everything belongs to God. And I'm just a steward of what he's giving to me right now. Do we enjoy it? Yeah. But if he says, give it away, give it away. I remember going to, Kelsey and I went to see some friends in Oman once and I took this brand new guitar of mine and a tailor. Oh my God, it was phenomenal. There was so much of glory on it. Uh, and I would love leading worship with it. It was a tailor guitar, very expensive. And so we went on this drive and hang out with some friends in Oman who now live in Dubai. And while we were driving there, the Lord said, give it away. No, 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 I'm not hearing this. <laughs> now, uh, uh, Kelsey and I, have come to a place in our relationship with God that we don't think twice about what God says to give away. So when we met the person, the first day itself, before we anything else, God spoke to me, I need to be faithful to give it to you. Here, take it. I don't care what you do with it, how you use it, I needed to just be obedient. See, why do you come to that place? Why do you think twice about giving? Why do you think twice about attending? Why do you think twice about replying to a text message? An invitation, come for life group. Yes, I will be there. That's it. That's all you need to say. Don't need to give passion. Don't need to write a verse. Don't need to do any of that stuff. I will be there. Silence is not a response. It's a rejection. Silence is a statement of rejection. Says that I don't value you. I value me and my plans. I don't want to tell you. Even if, you, even if I don't want to come, I'm not going to tell you why I'm not coming. See, we're in relationship with Christ. Oh, come on now. See, when that invitation comes, we like it when the scroll opens. Wow, bam, heaven opened. God is giving invitation. You didn't understand. Christ was giving you an invitation to come for life group. When you look at this scripture, you'll understand the frequency that is coming into you is the same frequency that's in them. The expression might be a little bit, I don't know. But Christ in me is yearning for Christ in you. And that connection, you must understand, you're, you're a triune being, which means that the Father the Son and you are connected. But that Son part is the part that you really need to watch out for. Because the Son part in, in divine entanglement, that Son is connected to every single human being that exists. You have a problem with someone? Sure, you're having a problem with the fallen nature, not with Christ. You're chastising someone, you're judging someone, you're accusing them. You're accusing a house that is broken down already. Not the house that God is building. Don't mistake what God is doing and judge it. Because you'll be judging yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, this is very, very important. So now, verse 12, he says this. But now we see in a mirror, dimly... So which means when, 
when you are, are, are a childish in your ways, when you process childishly, when you're not mature, when you're not maturing, your, your lens is still the knowledge of good and evil. It affects the resolution of how you see. Oh, come on. Dimly is watching something on TV on a videotape. Cassette, videotape, you know, some generations don't even know what that is. VHS, fat thing that goes into the player. But when you start seeing things maturely according to Christ in you, now the resolution not only goes HD, it's ultra HD and then enters into quantum HD. It's like I, I made a new one. 1632K. It's the, it's the K of all Ks. It's like so defined that every single particle in it is living. That's what happens when you begin to look in the mirror and see from a mature lens. Now, listen to this. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, what is he talking about then? Then is a moment. It's a moment when you now allow your house to be broken and Christ to be built up. And when Christ is built up now, maturing on the inside of you, and you allow your life to be processed through that word, now he says, I shall know. I shall know. Not Christ shall know. I shall know just as I am also known. He's saying there's no difference between Christ in you and you. As you see Christ, you're looking at the mirror, you're seeing who you are becoming. As you're looking at the mirror, as you look at Christ in that mirror, as you look at Christ in you, nowhere else, ladies and gentlemen, the mirror is your conscience. As you look at Christ on your conscience, now your conscience tells you who you're becoming. And as you behold him now, you become exactly like him. You begin to manifest who Christ in you is. And that becomes a hope for glory. So which means if I'm not mature right now, I have hope, man. I have hope. I have hope for every single child in our church. I have hope for every single 70-year-old, 60-year-old, 80-year-old, 90-year-old, 120-year-old. I have hope for you because Christ is doing a work in you. It may not look like it right now, but He is doing something. Just because we see people's flaws doesn't mean that's something to be celebrated or judged. When we see flaws, it's a building that is crashing. We need to celebrate it. Not like, oh wow, look, something happened. I told you, you know, this is what happens to these fellows. No. When things start crashing down, you have to have a joy and a hope in your heart that Christ will reveal, be revealed through their life. Let that building crash, but then God is going to build him up. God is going to build that family up. God is going to build that man up. God is going to build that nation up. God is going to build that city up. God is going to do it. Because he who has begun a good work will see it to completion. Let's stand up everybody. So good. So good. What an awesome word we had today. We're so blessed for everybody that is in the room. Thank you for being here. And also everybody that's watching us today 
or at the service or every, any other day that you're watching the service today. We just, we just want to bless you right now. I want to pray a prayer that Jesus prays over his disciples. Okay, this is not the Lord's prayer like we know it, which is the disciples prayer. I believe that Jesus has another prayer. It's in John 17. And so where Jesus prays to the Father, this is actually the Lord's prayer. And in John chapter 17, verse 20, he says this, and I'm, I'm praying this as a prophetic word over your life. And Jesus says this, Christ is now saying this, Christ, as I'm speaking this to you, it is entering into your system. It is entering into you. And now Christ is maturing, okay? So receive this as food right now, okay? Jesus says this, verse 20, I do not pray for these alone. He's talking about you and me, but also those who will believe in me through their word which means the word that you speak, that Christ speaks through you, people around you will begin to believe. They will see Christ in you. They will hear Christ through you and they will begin to believe. So he's praying not only for you, but also future sons of God, right? And he says this, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us. It's a phenomenal invitation to be entangled with God. This is entanglement 101. Divine entanglement 101. He says, Father, I pray that they may be one as we are one. And then he says, Father, I pray that they would be one with us. So which means if you are one with Christ, then we are all one. And if we are all one, then the Father, Son, and all of us are one. This is what divine entanglement is all about. This is this is what God's master plan is. It's like, wow, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take all of them, I'm gonna build them into Christ. And then he says this verse 22 and the glory which you gave me I have given them that they may be one just as we are one I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one look at the language there this is what he's saying I in them and you in me. Look, just look at, look at how awesome it, it is. Jesus is not saying, Father, you can have them and I am in you, my Father. We'll all come there and hang out with them. But he's saying, I in them, Christ in me, and in Christ, the Father comes and dwells. Ladies and gentlemen, this is very powerful. The Father does not dwell in any other temple except Christ's body. It's Christ is the perfect host for the Father. A lot of us have heard teachings on becoming a good host for God. Uh, as long as you're a good, go, good guest, the host will remain. But when you're not a good guest, the host will decide to get up and leave. But God is not interested in you hosting Him. God is interested in habitation. 
But he comes and inhabits Christ in you. We must understand what makes us the perfect dwelling place is Christ. And so today I just want to declare this over you. That you will step into the fullness, the full revelation of Christ in me. What does Christ do in me? What does Christ do for me? What does Christ do as me? And so today I bless you church. I declare God's abundant revelation to you. As you begin to receive this word, your life will be transformed. You may not know it immediately, but give it time. Give it time. Give God space in your life and he will begin to turn things around. Greater days are ahead of us. I bless you and we love you. And Kelsey and I will see you soon. Bless you in Jesus' name.